We're going to read from chapter 4. It is so great uh, to have you here tonight. We are honored that you have chosen to give up some of your precious time uh, to be here this Sunday evening. Um, if you're joining us online, you're also very welcome. My name is Tyler Rawson. I'm one of the, the pastors here, one of the ministers in training, um, and it's my pleasure to open God's word with you. John chapter 4. Starting in verse 31 through to verse 38. Forgot my glasses. I'll need those. Are we there? Are we there? Yep, great. It says this. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, that's Jesus, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already, the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here, the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I send you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. I want to read verse 34 again. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. This is the word of the Lord. And you can say with me, thanks be to God. What's your dreams what dream do you have for your life? Or what dreams do you have for your life? If you asked three-year-old Tyler Rawson, uh, when you are older, what do you want to be? Three-year-old Tyler would look at you and say, when I'm older, I want to be a fire truck, okay? So why don't you turn to the person beside you, you have 30 seconds, and in a lighthearted way, why don't you tell them your childhood dream and also your current dream for your life? Go. What's your dream? I wonder what some of the, the things people shared there were. Maybe your dream's retirement, okay? Uh, I've heard of some young people when I was working in, in youth ministry, some young people were looking forward to their retirement, imagine that. Maybe your dream is a promotion. 
Maybe your dream is a new job. Maybe your dream is financial gain. Maybe your dream is to meet someone and fall in love. Maybe your dream is to find sporting success or better health. I wonder what your dreams are. See, you don't have to be young to dream, isn't that right? We all dream. In fact, dreaming is part and parcel of what it means to be human. Even the most grounded of us, the most uncreative, the most unimaginative, the most pragmatic and realistic, and even the most pessimistic of us dream dreams. Dreams are simply unfulfilled longings that we have, aspirations that we have, hopes that we hold in our heart. And all of us, all of us have those. Dreams are the unwritten chapters in the story of our lives that we one day want to read about. Dreams are that moment when our feet leave the ground and we ascend into an unimaginary or an imaginary place of what could be. See, it's easy for us to think that dreams aren't reality, that dreams are detached notions from reality, that dreams are useless ideas for kids. But dreams, longings, future-focused desires that we have in our hearts, I want to suggest that they're as much reality as reality itself. How can that be? Because without dreams, without dreams, our reality, the present, would be, with dreams, and it changes, sorry, dreams change our reality in the present. Dreams of future things inform how we live our lives today. Dreams propel us forward in our lives. Dreams determine today's steps because our dreams determine where those steps are heading. I wonder what dreams you have. What big dreams, what small dreams, what significant dreams and what seemingly insignificant dreams you might have. I want to suggest that it's deeply biblical to be people who dream. The Bible constantly addresses those who are prudent. Those who are prudent are those who have care for the future. Isn't that what it means to dream, to have care for the future? Proverbs 10 verse 5 says this, He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Proverbs 15 24, the path of life leads upward for the prudent, that he may turn away from Sheol beneath. Proverbs 14, 8, the wisdom of the prudent, the wisdom of those who show care for the future is to discern his way. 
The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of the fools is deceiving. Those who are prudent are dreamers. Those who are prudent have dreams in their heart and in their prudence, they work out a way to get to their dreams. Dreaming is deeply biblical. I wonder what dreams you have in your heart. In Romans 1, Paul shares a dream. Paul says in Romans 1, I long, I long to go to Rome. Some of you want to go to Rome, but I don't think it was for the same reason that Paul wanted to go to Rome. But Paul had a longing in his heart. In Hebrews 11, 8, it says this, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Verse 10, for he was looking forward. He was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. In verse 16 of the same chapter, it's speaking of Abraham's descendants. It says this, they desire. In other words, they dreamed of a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a place for them. Paul had a dream. Abraham had a longing. Abraham's descendants had a desire. These dreams and longings and desires, they weren't just a pie in the sky hope that they had, but their dreams shaped them. We can see and trace their stories through scripture of how the dreams that they held in their heart shaped them as they moved forward. The dreams that they had determined their course in life. I don't know if you know, but this church has a dream. This church has a vision to be a growing community centered on Jesus, encountering God, equipping the saints, engaging with our communities and cultures and reaching the world. There you go, I passed the test, I remembered it. How big is your dream? How big is your dream? Does your dream encompass just you? Does your dream encompass just you and your immediate family or does it extend beyond the parameters of your own life, touching others around you? I don't know if you're a Christian in this room tonight. Before I gave my life to God, my dream was about me. My dream was self-centered. My dream was about my future, my career, my wealth, my desire to travel the world so I could see it, my desire that I could have a family and a nice family and a nice house and all the nice things that you can also have along with those things. That was my dream before I was a Christian. They're not bad things. They're honorable things. But my question for you tonight, Christian and non-Christian, in this room and joining us online, where does God fit in? Where does God fit into your dreams that determine your steps in this life? What part does he play? It's funny that 
the part that we often assign to God is the part and the role of the person who's meant to work out our dreams and make them happen. He's the one that's meant to cause them to come about in our lives. That's the part we give to God. But what part does he play? Or is it just a part that he plays? Is it biblical just to give him a part of the dreams that we have? Galatians 2.20 says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives. No, that's, that's the wrong verse. Sorry. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer that I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Or is Christ your dream? Is all your dreams God dreams, God-saturated dreams, God dreams birthed? and who he is and what he's doing in your life. I wonder what your dream is. Very briefly and without going into detail, my, part of my dream in, in my life is to give myself to sharing the gospel on this island. I don't know if you're aware, but in this part of Northern Ireland, you find yourselves situated on the most evangelical part of Europe yet neighboring us in the south 1.6% of the population are evangelical Christians that's one of the lowest statistics out of all countries in the world the Republic of Ireland is considered an unreached people group and it's part of my dream and I'm not suggesting that it needs to be part of your dream but part of my dream is that God somehow some way would use my life to play a part in bringing his name glory and honour in this land among people who have not heard about him. I don't know what that might look like. I don't know if that looks like me going. I don't know if that looks like me helping mobilise people who will go. But that's part of my dream. But tonight I want to make a distinction. I want to make a distinction between dreams that we have of future things and the will of God. Dreams are important and dreams are futuristic. Dreams are things unseen that we want. But the will of God is different. It's different in that, yes, it has a futuristic dimension to it, but the will of God is something that is present. Dreams are futuristic, but the will of God is something that is also present. In verse 34, Jesus said, my food, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. <coughs> food, food keeps us alive. Food gives us the energy and nutrients we need to grow and to be healthy. Food gives us, I believe, I'm no uh, nutrition expert or dietitian, but food gives us, I believe, five nutrients. It gives us carbohydrates, proteins, fats, minerals, and vitamins. And Jesus said, my food, my food is to do the will of the Father who sent me. The thing that sustains me, the thing that strengthens me, 
the thing that nourishes me, the thing that fulfills me, the thing that helps me not only survive but thrive in this world is to do the will of the Father. Jesus said in verse 31 to 34, the thing, something more important to him than even eating physical food that we need for our bodies is acting in utter obedience to who he is by doing and completing the Father's will for him. See, dreams will not be food to you. Dreams will not be food to you. Dreams will not strengthen you, sustain you, nourish you, fulfill you. But the will of God will strengthen you and sustain you through everything. My food is to do the will of the Father. See, dreams are futuristic things that we have no control over, but the will of the Father is now. The will of God for your life is today. We don't need to wait on it. We don't need to long for it. It's here. Jesus speaks of the will of the Father with urgency. Listen to John 35 to 37. Do you not say there are yet four months that comes, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. The will of the Father is today. It's urgent. There's an immediacy in Christ's voice. See, in Christ, we don't need to spend all of our time longing for those dreams to be fulfilled, waiting on those dreams to be fulfilled. But right now in Christ, we can make it a priority to do the will of the Father. Help, let me illustrate it this way. When I was, um, as you know, I've talked about it quite a bit, but as you know, when I was 18, I went on a gap year and served Christ um, in different contexts, in different parts of the world, and I loved it. I had the time of my life. I felt more alive than I had ever felt. I felt like I was doing what I was put on this earth to do. But my year ended. That year ended and I came home and found myself in a classroom training to do what I want to do. But a year before that, I was doing what I wanted to do, but now I'm in this position where I'm training to do what I want to do, but, but why can't I just do what I want to do? And I hated first year of university. I hated it. I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be out. I wanted to be on the mission field. I wanted to be serving God. Living the life that I felt like God had called me to. See, that gap year aligned with my dreams but here I was in a classroom. And then second year came. And God spoke to my heart. And it changed my life. He said to me, build an altar in the library. Not physically. <laughs> the books would be up in flames. But build an altar in the library. 
God was telling me that I had, that I had missed it, that my eyes were on the dreams, that my eyes were on my future longings and I was missing the moment now. I was missing the will of God now. I was missing the present. I was missing God who, who is present in the present. And after that moment, it transformed everything for me. And as cheesy as it is, or it sounds, every time I opened a book, I did it as an act of worship to God. I did it realizing and knowing that this is the will of God for my life. Knowing that this might not be what I feel like I want right now. This might not feel like the dreams that I have in my heart. But I knew, I knew that that was the will of God for me to be in that position and to be there in that place. And I made a decision in that moment, God, I'm going to worship you here. See, I thought the true measure of Christ in me, the true measure of my character and my obedience to God was my willingness to jump on a plane and go to the other side of the world. But I was wrong. The true measure of my obedience to God was my willingness to do what he asked, to lock myself away nine to five and read books for a number of years. And it went from being one of the most miserable years of my life to being the most formative period after that. God changed me. God did more in me in that period than he did on my gap year. What's your focus? Is it the dreams that are unfulfilled ahead of you? And yes, it is good to have dreams. It is biblical, it is right. And I wanna encourage you to dream bigger dreams. But don't miss the moment. Don't miss where God has you right now. Don't wish away these years. These years, these moments, these situations, these people, this environment, this workplace that God has given you where he has placed you in his divine providence to serve him and to fulfill his will for your life. See, I was wishing away years of my life because I wanted the dreams. I didn't want the will of God. Will you say tonight that the will of God is enough for me? And watch what he might do with it. After that moment, no longer did I need my dreams as much as I needed the will of God. His will is that you would have him, that you would behold him, that you would savor him and enjoy him. See, dreams may stay unfulfilled. People can take your dreams away from you. Your dreams might come to fruition, they might not. We have no control over that. But there is one thing we do have control over. It's the now. It's the present. It's to be obedient in the will of God in the now. See, while the world strives after what they do not have, while the world chases after one thing, after one thing, after one thing, we can savor what we already have. 
the Savior that we have, and the life and the calling and the place and the position that he has given us. A friend of mine, and he won't mind me, me saying this, but in coming to Dundonald, he said to me, you've arrived. This friend knew me, grew up with me, was there when I got converted and, and seen the longing that I had, the dream that I had to one day go into gospel ministry. And he said to me, you've made it. He's seen that in Dundonald, big church, such an amazing place where I can grow and, and develop in my ministry. He said, you've made it. And in some ways, that was a dream that I had and God, God has fulfilled that. So yes, but in so many other ways, no. The moment I got saved, the moment I bowed the knee to Jesus Christ, when I was 15 years old, at that moment I had arrived. At that moment I have had the opportunity to be in the will of God, to live in the will of God and to stay in that place. That is the ultimate dream that we should have for our lives and that's what Christ offers us. Not that we would be people who would be chasing and chasing constantly, but actually that we would find contentment and fulfillment in who he is and in the hand that he has dealt us. See, what happens? What happens when your dreams don't work out? How do we react? How do we react? People who put too much weight in their dreams and longings and aspirations, when bad things happen, they shake and they crumble and they stumble. But those who place who they are in the will of God find themselves on an, in an immovable rock who is Christ our Lord. See, you can be content in the season that you're in knowing when you're in the will of God. Joseph, Joseph in the Old Testament, I wonder if you can recall that he had a dream. His dream was that this lowly boy would be lifted to a lofty position, who would be taken from the lowest in society and made into royalty. That was his dream. But what happened to Joseph? Joseph was sold into slavery. Joseph spent years and years and years in prison. But yet Joseph didn't lose his faith. And I suspect he didn't lose his faith because while he had a dream in his heart that God had placed there, his hope wasn't just in a dream, it was in a person who was guiding his life, who was the author of his story. He put his faith and trust in that God who is in the present. And he put his faith in the will of God for his life in the present. Job, this man, who had everything, everything you could ever want. One of the most blessed men that had ever lived. Lost it all. Yet, cho yet Job chose to praise God. Why? 
I suspect because he was submitted not to his dreams, not to these conditions that we can put on God. I'll serve you, God, if. But Job was submitted to the God who was the author of his life. Job was submitted to God's will for his life. Christ said, let this cup pass from me. In another word, my dream is that I don't have to go through this, the agony of the cross, the terror of it, the pain of it, the anguish of it. If only God, I could be spurred. Let this cup pass from me. That was his longing. That was his desire. But yet what did he say? What did he say? Not my will. Not my will, but your will be done. See, when dreams are proved unfulfilled to us, you and I don't need to be left empty-handed. But you and I can possess still the will of God for our lives. Yes, it can be hard. It's not easy. But we can possess him and possess him through it. See, the fulfillment of your dreams are out of your control, but the will of God in the present now, you can make a choice to make that your primary objective, the primary focus and intention of your life. See, when your future dreams take the, the place of God's will for your life, when you're living so much for future hopes and not the present reality of where God has placed you, we find ourselves in trouble. We find ourselves wishing away our years. But the reality is, if we're not content with today, we'll never be content with the dreams that we could have in tomorrow. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient, present tense. It is sufficient for you. In Matthew 6, it says, do not be anxious about tomorrow, future tense. Speaking about our longings and our desires and our dreams, do not be anxious about tomorrow and what tomorrow will hold, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Matthew 6 goes on. And speaking in a very present tense, seek first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is the will of God? What is the will of God for your life? That's sometimes a convoluted, difficult question that we can run down that rabbit hole and never seem to escape. What is his will for your life? Let me say it this way. Seek first the kingdom of God. His will for your life, if the band wants to come up, if Stuart wants to come up, his will for your life is to want his will more than you want anything else. If you're struggling to work out what his will and plan might be for you in the present, I want to suggest to you to, to want his will. Want his will, desperately want his will more than you could want anything else. Desperately want his will more than you could ever want any dreams, any hopes, any aspirations that you hold in your heart. See, when you want his will more than anything else, you will find yourself in his will. You will find himself in the position that he wants you to find yourself in. 
So maybe you find yourself in a place where you find yourself worrying about tomorrow, worrying about what tomorrow might hold. Not knowing which way to turn, not knowing which career choice or exams or subjects to take in school. My, my, my suggestion is that you would focus on wanting his will more than you want anything else. What dreams do you have? What dreams do you have in your heart? See, when Christ takes hold of your life, something happens to those dreams. Something happens to those longings that you have. No longer do they become about you, but Christ transforms you. He makes you into a new creation. He gives you a new way of seeing the world and seeing how you fit into it. Christ gives you a new way of dreaming. He gives you this desire to make every day count. This desire to be more like Christ, this desire to be holier, this desire to love people better, this insatiable desire to make him known everywhere you go. When you give your life over to the will of God for your life and when you surrender to his, the author of your life, the scribe, the one who's writing your story, when you surrender to him, Something happens with your dreams. Your dreams go through this radical reorientation. Every game, everything gets shifted on its head. No longer do you look inwardly. No longer do you want to fulfill those self, selfish desires that we all have. But, but actually something happens, a radical reorientation that actually all you want to do is to glorify Him. All you want to do is to extol Him with your life. When Christ gets hold of your life, how does Christ get hold of your life? When you submit, when you submit to His will for your life, what does that look like? I don't know. The Bible's pretty clear. The Great Commission to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, to love your neighbor, that's a good place to start. But maybe just, maybe he'll give you a specific calling. He gives us a general calling in his word, but maybe he'll give you a specific calling. And I don't know what that might look like. That might look like going to the Republic of Ireland, going to an unreached people group. That might look like going to the other side of the world where there's persecution, where people are murdered and martyred for their faith. I don't know what it, I don't know what it looks like. But when... I'm challenged to submit my life to the will of God. I'm saying God is calling me to say, God, no matter what it takes, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it might mean for my life and my family and my possessions and my wealth and who I am as a person, God, I give it over to you. I give it over to you. And when you submit your life to God in that way, just watch what He will do with you. He might send you to the other side of the world, but He might not but he might send you to Asda and Donald and he might send you to pray for someone in an aisle. He might send you to start an alpha group in your workplace. See, when we give our lives to the will of God, will you let that be the place where we form our dreams? Where we form our God dreams? where we focus our face towards 
and say, God, if it be your will, may I be a partaker in this thing, in this cause, in this kingdom cause that you would have for me. Let Christ take hold of your life. If you're a non-Christian in here, be liberated from yourself. Be liberated from a life of bondage that is all about building your own kingdom. But instead, choose Christ. Instead, be crucified, crucified with Christ. That no longer you would live, but Christ would live in you. That you would no longer live to build your own kingdom, but actually something would happen so deep inside of you that that would be swapped so that you could live to build the kingdom of God, to live for a kingdom that will make a difference, not only in the present, but in the future, in eternity. What do your dreams look like? What I've tried to do is, is twofold. I've, I've tried to help you if you feel like you're, you're stuck in a dead end, if you feel like you're bored, you're jaded by life, that everything around you seems mundane and boring and dull. What you need is not necessarily a change to your circumstances, but, but I think Christ is here and, and he's saying that actually the change is in you, that you would be in submission to his will for your life, that actually he wants to come and inject your life with new purpose, that he wants to come and fill your life with, with fresh vision and purpose and desire in the now. But also, I want to encourage you to dream bigger dreams in a, in a posture that's submitted to the will of God. What dreams would you dream? I have a friend who wants to be, as yet to be, but wants to be a head teacher. Why? So that he could build a school around godly principles. I have a dad who's a taxi driver. And people get into his car night and day. And he lives to share the gospel with them. He lives for that opportunity where God will open up a door, a conversation, where he will just flood himself into that car, that the Holy Spirit would come and saturate that soul with the living presence of God. What does your dreams look like? Does your dream look like getting out of bed? and getting on with that day and feeding your kids. There is so much more. You can do all of those things. You can have all of the honorable things that we can have in this life, but, but there's so much more. I have a friend who's a social worker who wants to, in that situation, in the homes, in the places that they find themselves to bring Christ into that situation. I have a, a friend who's a full-time mom who isn't consumed about giving her child the best possible things in life but realizes it's not about what you leave your kid that matters, but it's about what you leave in your kid. What godly example you pave the way for them to follow. That she would prefer not to dream dreams of this kid going to the best school, but she would prefer to dream dreams of this kid seeing a legacy of a mom who laid down her life every single day for Jesus Christ. What are your dreams? I have a friend who at 16 years old 
had a dream of being a missionary in Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan's motto is that to be a Kazakh is to be a Muslim. Well, not for Lee, said his name. Didn't mean to. But he wants to be a missionary. He wants to give his life. This smart, educated, capable young man who could have done anything wants to give his life. Is learning Russian to make that a possibility? What is your dream for your life? I have a friend who at 15, I remember, late at night on a school night, on a Tuesday night, it was about 2 a.m. And we were in a car praying our lungs out, praying to God that He might do something in us, that He might use our lives in the future. And He said to me, I feel like God is calling me when I'm older to go to Sydney, to go to Hillsong College and study, the, study there. Well, right now He's there because He had a dream. He had a dream and that determined His steps. And He walked faithfully in the will of God towards that destination. What is your dream? I have another friend who is a mum and in her own words, and some of you will know her because of this language, but in her own words, her dream is to raise up an army of children to push back the darkness in this world. I have a friend who's an office worker who wants to make as much money as possible to invest it into the kingdom. What dreams will you dream? Sorry, I'm taking long. But as Lily comes up, we're just going to sing a song. But I don't know about you, but ever since coming here and being on the staff team here, before that, I hadn't been to many, many funerals. And and just as of late, I've, I've been to loads, some connected with the church, some not. But I was in one and, and after I couldn't help but get emotional. I couldn't help but say, God, save me, save my life in such a way that actually when it comes to my day, when I go to be with you, that someone would stand on a stage and talk for 30 minutes about how much I loved fishing, about how much I loved Man United Football Club. But Father, please help me to stay on my course. Help me to dream bigger dreams. But Father, help me not to get sidetracked by those dreams. Help me not to get so focused on them that I miss the joy and the worth and the sheer joy and pleasure it is to have you in the noy and to walk in your will for my life. But Father, may someone stand and testify about my life that I was someone who dared to dream, dared to dream that God could use me, not just to go to the other side of the world, not just to see these huge, spectacular things, but dare to dream that God could use me in the everyday, ordinary, mundane of my life, that I would catch such a glimpse of who He is and the goodness that He has bestowed on my life that I would be forever changed. And so as we sing this song about the goodness of God, what I want you to do is to reflect on the goodness of God that has been. This God who has been faithful, this God who has been sure, this God who has not let you down. And as you reflect on the God who's, who, who's been faithful to you, I want you to reflect on your life, on your present life, but also on the future. A line in the song says, with my life laid down, 
I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Let's sing this. Let's stand to our feet and worship God. And as we sing through that, don't stand to your feet if, if you will, but don't, don't just with what I sometimes do, just zone out and sing the songs and enjoy the songs, but meditate on your life. Meditate on what has been, what is now and what will be.